Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Savvy Mama podcast. My name is Renee Verko, a financial advisor, the founder at Money Mode and a mum of two. This week you have got me in your ears talking to you about all the foundations and the basics of managing your money on a daily basis. I'm going to take you through my top tips and also share with you some questions and answers that I've fielded from my audience on Instagram and the Savvy Mama Facebook group. So I really look forward to sharing those with you. So firstly, we are really going back to basics here and I'm going to talk to you about one of the most important things you need to do. We don't get taught how to do it properly in school and frankly, it's not talked about as a very cool thing to do. In fact, it's shamed a lot. It's the art of budgeting. Say what? Now what good is a budget? Stick with me before you tune out from the B word. I am going to put it into context and explain exactly what it's all about, why you need to do one and how it's going to be pivotal to transforming your life and your relationship with money. I will try and pretty it up for you as much as possible, but let me say this firstly, a budget does not mean deprivation. A budget is putting you in the driver's seat, in control and giving you the opportunity to tell your money exactly where you want it to go. It is, if approached in the right way, the most empowering thing that you can do for yourself. It's the cornerstone of managing your money on a day-to-day basis and I'm going to teach you about how to actually do it, how to implement it and how to make it stick, how to also navigate it in your relationship and whether there's a place for credit cards and what sort of different accounts that you need on a day-to-day basis. Any financial experts out there sprouting that budgets don't work and that you don't need to do one, please listen with caution. Percentage splits of your income is a really handy guide and it's a great place to sense check where your money is going, but it's not the perfect solution and I hate to break it to you. But it is so important to know your numbers and that has absolutely been proven over the last few months as we have experienced really tough times with either a drop in our income or lost income through this pandemic. Now, people's incomes vary through life events as well, such as maternity leave or wanting to take a career break. So relying on a split of your income is going to set you up for potential failure down the track. We also so often fall into the trap of earning more money and therefore spending more money. And before we know it, we are in the same position no matter how much money we are earning. And I have seen this with my financial advisor cap on, seeing clients over the years that would come through the doors and it did not matter whether they were earning $70,000 a year or $300,000 a year. The level of financial success was not dependent on the level of income. It comes down to the strategic things that you do with the money that is left over at the end of each paycheck. And that is the most important foundation that you can learn. So I'm going to talk to you about how to get yourself into a position of knowing where your money is going and making sure that you have got money left over after each paycheck and give you some tasters on what you can then do with that. Now, one of the best pieces of advice that I can give you is to treat your personal finances, your household finances, like running a business. So let's take that theme of treating ourselves as a business from episode one with Shanna into the practical realm of our finances. So, yep, you need to become your very own financial controller. 
Now, before you freak out and think, I can't become an accountant, don't worry. I'm going to take you through the simple steps and there'll be notes and resources in the show notes to refer to. So let's look at this business analogy for a sec. You personally are the engine room of your financial world. You are the resource that makes the money. You go to work each day in return for a paycheck using your services, your skills, your labor in return for income. Now that could be whether you are an employee or you are employed. We know that a company does not usually exist to break even or to make a loss. They're generally in business to make a profit and you should be too. This is how you should be approaching your personal finances. The dollars that come in need to be greater than those that flow out. You need to make sure that you've got a profit left over at the end of each week, month, year, whatever it may be, a surplus, money left over, more coming in than going out. So if we want to peel back a layer on this concept, ask yourself for what purpose do you go to work each day? Is it just to earn enough money to live, to have the basics, to have a roof over your head or are you working for your future? Do you have some aspirations and goals as well? Because I think for most of us, if we peel back a layer, we are absolutely trying to build a future for ourselves where we are not beholden to having to work forever and we want to build something bigger than ourselves that can support us in the future. So what the real taster here is being able to put that surplus income that you have left over after each paycheck to really good use. Now there's some steps that you've got to follow first. You've got to make sure that you've got rid of all your personal debt and that you've built yourself some emergency funds in the event that we go through something like we are going through right now and we probably will continue through this period for some time longer. Then it's about putting it towards your longer term goals, becoming a homeowner outright because the security that that brings us is undeniable and to then also be building towards future investments that will allow us to stop working as much or not be so dependent on going to work each day. And that's by building up what's called passive income. You may have heard this talked about and wonder exactly what it is. Well, we know that income that I talked about before is where you are the engine room, but passive income is all about earning from a source that is not you. It's an investment that you build. So most of us here in Australia, we are putting aside a percentage of our salary, the government mandates that we've got to put 9.5% of our salary into superannuation. And that is the nest egg investment that we are building for our retirement. We are building up this asset and pool of money and variety of investments within that. That will at some point in the future turn around to pay us an income stream. The more investments and nest eggs and assets that you can build up before your retirement to be able to supplement that income is a really powerful and empowering place to be. So it is taking the baby steps of being able to funnel away some surplus income, some profit, some more money than you are spending, the money that's left over to be putting that to good use, following those simple steps to get you out of personal debt and then building towards the future and building a nest egg that is going to then be able to turn around and provide you with an income so that you are not beholden to working forever and building something that can one day support you. Here are the key steps 
to manage your money on a daily basis and how to effectively do a budget. So I'm going to share with you my five top tips and these will be in the notes as well. So first things first, do a budget. Number one, spring clean your budget, streamline every expense that you can automate your money and track your spending. So first things first on doing a budget, it is so important that you know the numbers on what it costs to run your life. And to do this, go through the must-have essential items first and foremost, and then look at all the discretionary things that you've got and your lifestyle spending. Now, things like groceries are a really challenging one for a lot of us because food is an essential item. It's a must-have. We need to put food on the table, but it is an amount that can blow out enormously in our budgets. So this is where it's really, really important to give yourself an allowance that fits within your budget. Same for your lifestyle spending. So if you start with the essential things that are fixed costs, like your mortgage or your rent, your rates, your power, your phone, all of those types of things that we know we have to pay to keep the roof over our head, then look at the amounts that are discretionary, like your groceries. Then you need to look at your lifestyle spending, the things like entertainment, clothing, beauty. But now is a really, really good time to set yourself what do you feel is a reasonable allowance for those items. It's a perfect time to reset and review. And we are in a really strange time right now. But what I normally suggest is that you go back and you look at a few months worth of your bank statements and make sure that the items that you're doing in your first take of a budget are accurate. That what you are putting in there is exactly what is happening now. Because so often I see such a mismatch between what people think is happening in their financial world to what is really happening. Okay. Step two. So now that you've got all your numbers, you need to spring clean. What out of all your essential expenses can you get a better deal on? Can you contact your bank, your utilities, your phone or internet providers and negotiate a better rate or change if you need to? And what subscriptions or memberships or plans have you got that you don't really need? These can easily creep up on us and you can always reinstate them later if you're missing them. So once you have reviewed your numbers and you have got yourself into a position where your money coming in is greater than your money coming out, that you have given yourself an allowance for all the nice to have things that are able to fit within your budget. This is not about having to deprive yourself of things that are really important to you and that line up with your values. You are able to have a bit of fun with your money. You do work hard for it after all, but it's about making sure there's room for it in your budget and that your spend on different areas align with your values and your goals. So ask yourself that question as you go through each expense. So what's next? So once you're comfortable with your budget and you've got yourself into a position that looks realistic, you need to automate and smooth your payments as much as possible. So by this, it's looking largely at those essential expenses and setting up direct debit arrangements and making sure the bills are taken care of automatically. But make sure you do go back and check on them regularly. But one of the things that a lot of people also fall down on is falling into the trap of late fees and not paying bills on time. You can really help yourself out by automating your payments as much as possible. So the next extension of this is automating your money. So this is by dividing your paycheck into separate accounts. So taking care of those must-have things first 
and then giving yourself an allowance for those discretionary items into a separate bank account. This is really important and this is one of the things that will help your budget stick. I like to do it on a weekly basis. I personally transfer each Sunday money into my account for groceries and lifestyle spending and I know that each Sunday that money is going to be topped up. Once I blow it, it's gone and I don't have to wait too long for it to be topped up again. It's foolproof and I don't risk a blowout. Now, the next and very most important step, which I alluded to before, is to actually track your spending. And there are some amazing apps out there. I'm trialing a few at the moment and have one to introduce to my community very shortly. So if you are following me, you will be the first to know about that and what I recommend. But tracking your spending, it really helps cement your habits need to do it for a period of at least three to six months. You need to also test that the allowances that you've given yourself for certain expenses that they feel right and you can monitor your progress. It's really rewarding and it's really, really empowering. Now, once you go to the effort of doing an overhaul of your budget like this, it is just a matter of tweaking it and checking in on it regularly. If you set up an app where you can track your expenses, like I mentioned, then that makes life a hell of a lot easier. And I hope that that will give you some of the tips to take the stress out of managing your money on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so it's time to field a couple of questions. One of the questions that's come through from Brooke... Hi Renee, my question is mainly about joint accounts and managing money in relationships. So I'm a stay-at-home mum, I do work part-time but currently getting JobKeeper fortunately. We have two young boys and my husband is the breadwinner and he does earn quite well. I manage the daily finances and all of our money is in joint accounts. But I find it so hard to budget things for ourselves and I feel really guilty if I spend money on myself. I feel like My husband should be the one to spend the money because he is working so hard and he's the one earning it after all. We do have a good relationship, but money just isn't working in our relationship. What do you think about joint accounts slash what are your tips to getting us on the same page and managing our money within our relationship? Well, first things first, I think that this is a story that many mums out there would be feeling. Before having kids, we are financially on some sort of a level playing field and have a sense of financial independence. When we start a family, our identity not only goes through a shift, but so too does our financial independence. So the first thing I would say to you, Brooke, is you are a team. You are a family unit. You each have different roles to play in that. And for many of us, it is the mother that takes that more hands-on role in staying home with the children and managing the daily finances. So what you need to start doing is viewing that pool of money coming into your household as a shared resources. You need to get talking about money regularly with your husband. You need to be talking about your goals and your values. Now, this does not mean that you have to have the exact same goals or the same values, but you need to be starting to have that conversation and have those prompts about what is important to both of you. Now, there are so many different viewpoints on shared accounts, joint accounts. It's about doing what works for you. Me personally, I am a fan of a combination of both. And for me, it's really important to always have some of my own money. But the reality is in my situation, very much like yours, my partner is currently the breadwinner. In my situation, all of the money comes into a joint account. It goes into our mortgage offset account. And from there, we pay all of our joint household expenses 
and then we filter the money off to different allowances. So he takes some money, I take some money. Now I manage our weekly grocery spend and all the kids' expenses and my own personal expenses from the one account. But you may like to have that split across two. What you could do is have a joint account for your groceries on a weekly basis and you and your partner, if you are both doing the shopping, can both have a card to that account. As I mentioned before, for me, it's really important to have my own personal fund money. If I want to go and get my hair cut or my nails done or have a massage or do some shopping, I want to be able to do that with no questions asked. And my partner, he likes to play golf. He likes to put some money in his sports bet account every now and then. Not advocating for that, by the way, but that's what he likes to do. But I don't want to have to be asking him or questioning him each time he goes to do that. The other thing that is important to us, a little bit traditional, but it's nostalgic and we like it when we go out for dinner or for brunch. My partner likes to be the one to shout. And when we buy each other presents, it's nice to be able to do that from our own little bit of fun money. Because frankly, I don't want him seeing what shop I've bought his birthday present from. But what this is about for you is negotiating what works and what doesn't work. So start having the conversation. Look at your situation right now and a really effective tool is to go through a stop, start, keep. What are the things that you need to stop doing that aren't working? What are the things that are working that you can keep doing? And what are some things that you need to change to make it work more effectively for you? And remember, you are a team. Tammy has written in and asked, Renee, I'm a contract worker with irregular income and my husband is self-employed. We think we earn okay money, but we don't really have a good handle on it. How on earth can we manage our money? Because nothing seems to work for us. I have also come across this so often and let me tell you, these types of systems that I've talked about in this episode can work for you, but you need to sit down and you need to carefully forecast what level of income you think is going to come in over a period of time. If you can do that on a monthly basis or a six monthly basis or an annual basis, that would be really handy. You need to have some sort of idea on what level of income is coming in. Then it is really important that you know those numbers on what it costs to run your life. You need to know the basic numbers of all the commitments that you have to make on a weekly monthly basis and they are your essential things. Then you can start to work out what sort of money you are going to have left over for your lifestyle expenses and for your longer term savings. Now the thing here is you might have to do the hard yards for a couple of months before you can get in front and that is what I strongly encourage you to do. So try as much as you can to build up a buffer. And so you need to run an account and if you've got a mortgage it might be running this through your offset account otherwise another account and that has to sit as what I would call as your hub account and from that hub account you need to draw your weekly or monthly allowances out of that account to smooth out your income over the course of the year so that you are basically taking the irregular pools of money that you are earning and putting them into a hub account and then paying yourself a wage, replicating a wage as much as possible on a regular basis from that account. And that should try and smooth your income out over the year. So as I said, it might take a little bit of time to get in the rhythm and do those hard yards to get yourself in front. Once you are in front, you will be able to stay that way and you won't look back. So this is also a really good question and it's about managing money in your relationships. How do you start the money conversation when you are two investment properties deep? We've well-established financial habits and we have not yet had the money conversation for I don't know how long. 
Well, this is a really good question and I do talk about this in my kickstart course when we cover off relationships and money that no matter how long you have been in a relationship, you need to make sure you're regularly having the money conversation and perhaps you need to have it in a structured way for the very first time. And in that course, I give you a bit of a cheat sheet on how to go about having that conversation. It really, you know, you need to strip it right back to basics and go back to your money stories, back to goals, have individual goals and joint goals and shared goals for your family, talking about, you know, your money story going forward and the aspirations that you have is really, really important. Lock in a date night, make it a regular date once a month to be talking about your money. Do a position statement on where you are. So make sure that you have done your very own balance sheet of your assets and your loans and you've got it written down on a piece of paper exactly what your financial situation is and that you do a family budget so that you both have sight over where you're going. And this is the really important thing about managing money in relationships. It is okay for one person. One person will most naturally be more hands-on person with actually organising the money and paying for things and all of that. And that's totally fine. But make sure that you are both across what is happening. And that could be by your regular monthly date night that you sit down and you have a little agenda and you talk about all the things that are going on in your financial world. And so that you are both across what's happening and that you can start to make joint decisions together. All right. So this question has come through with Holly. Can you please help me with not overspending and living within my means without feeling like I'm missing out? So this is a really good question and I think that is the importance of doing a budget and knowing your numbers and knowing what money is coming in, what resources you've got to deal with and what money is going out so that you know what you have got within your means to spend and that you can set yourself allowances. You can make those conscious decisions on where your money goes to the things that are important to you. Now, if you can connect yourself better to your money, you will absolutely feel more empowered and you are making those conscious decisions on the things that you can have or want to enjoy. And then hopefully that lessens that feeling of missing out because you have actually made the conscious choice on what the things are that you want to be able to spend your money on. This question's come through from Sally and it's about afterpay and credit cards. Renee, I've been following you on Insta at Money Mode for a while now and I get the sense you're not a fan of personal debt. I've since closed my after ad account but I've kept my credit card open for points so should I be closing it? Well, first things first, good on you for closing Afterpay. The reason I'm not a fan is purely because we are most often tempted to spend money that we don't yet have on items that we probably don't really need. You need to be really honest and ask yourself how you're using your Afterpay account and if it's actually serving you or not serving you. Because if you can't afford it now, it's probably not a great financial habit to be in. A much better one is to be saving up and buying things when you can actually actually afford them and they're allowed for in your budget. The other thing about Afterpay, what a lot of people don't realise is when they go for a home loan, if they have Afterpay accounts, even without a balance on it, whatever the amount is that they've got approved on there, that is treated as a line of credit or like a personal debt that they have against their name. So it's something to be really mindful of before you go for a loan. Now, in terms of credit cards, I'll answer this one very, very carefully. So for similar reasons to above is why I'm generally not a fan. 
For the majority of us, we don't use them well. For the majority of us, the banks come out as the winner when it comes to a credit card and not us. There are a minority of people out there that get credit cards working to their advantage and come out on top. So if this is you, then credit cards may be your friend. But what needs to happen for a credit card to be your friend is that you need to be making sure that you have carefully budgeted and set up your allowance, that you are still spending within that budget on your credit card each month and that you pay the balance off in full before any interest charges accrue. So you've paid no interest on your credit card, but you no doubt have an annual fee to pay. So then you need to weigh up this annual fee versus the points and benefits that you get by holding the card and make a decision on whether that is worth it or not. Without seeing the numbers, it's really hard to comment on whether that would be working in your advantage or not. But ask yourself those questions. So review those things and make a really informed decision. For me personally, credit cards have not been my friend over the years. I become tap happy with them. I've had limits that are too high and it's just too easy for me to spend above my means. So I have structured my financial situation around, as I talked about before, giving myself that weekly allowance and I know that once I've spent that money, that's it and I never have to risk getting into short-term or longer-term debt because I'm spending within my means. So I think that's something really important to have a good look at and a good practice. Credit cards are set up for the bank to be the winner. So always keep that in mind. If you can come out on top, well, go for it and good on you. And there are some really effective strategies that Nicole Peterson McKinnon talked about in her episode about becoming mortgage free and being able to make the credit card and offset account system work. In theory, that really does work, but you've got to make sure you've got the discipline around you to not overspend. So when I sift through all of the questions that have come through from the audience, there is an overwhelming amount of people that just want tips and guidance on the budgeting and the money management and how to balance that between, you know, having enough money to enjoy the things today and being able to splurge a little bit, but not sacrificing in the future too much. And I really hope that a lot of these tips have helped you. It is about knowing your numbers, putting yourself in control and actually directing your money where to go and then having the ability to review that on a regular basis and track it and make sure that what you are spending on aligns to the things that are important to you. Now, a few people have asked, how much should I be saving? And as we talked about the split percentages at the start that some financial experts talk about, and I think... A lot of the common themes among those splits seems to be a savings amount of around 20%. Now that might be really, really high and unachievable for some people, but I think it's a really nice place to start. Now this is of course once you've got your personal debt and all that sort of thing paid off, but if you can look to be having somewhere between 10 to 20% of your money put away for longer term savings and your longer term goals, then I think that's a great place to start. If you can afford more without your budget, without sacrificing too much today, then that's going to be even better for you. So it is a matter of every circumstance is different. Everybody's priorities and goals and circumstances are different. 
So have some connection to your money, have some control over where it goes. I promise you it will feel incredibly empowering once you have that sense of ownership over your financial situation. I wish you all the very best and by all means, please feel free to join our Savvy Mama Facebook group if you are not on there already because we share lots more tips and strategies on there as well as on my Instagram account at Money Mode. We'll have a guest back joining us next week. Look forward to sharing another episode with you then. In the meantime, everybody, please stay safe and take care.